You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney. This is episode 41 of this illustrious and very famous podcast. I thank you for listening. I am very appreciative as always. Uh, we got a little bit of a nice show here for you today. We're gonna talk. We're gonna break down the week in Philly sports. Uh, we're gonna have a guest on on the Friday. We're gonna have an episode coming out on Friday afternoon. We will have a special guest. I will not name them to to protect their anonymity. That's a hell of a word right there. And to just keep you on the edge of your seat so what do we talk about now what do we start with we got a little bit of phillies action they were able to somewhat take care of business against the diamondbacks i told you last time we spoke that i would be happy with a 3-1 it should have been it should have been a sweep like we spoke about before they're the way better team but the fact that they had just gotten swept by this team does not tell you that they were going to do anything other than what they you know a split would have been you know what i'm saying like we were my expectations were low phillies come out and they wind up winning three of four against the lowly arizona diamondbacks they looked horrific on thursday night they were down eight to two at a certain point in that game went up scoring five runs in the ninth and coming up a little bit short of that comeback another spectacular performance from matt moore they, you know, obviously, like I said, they got runs towards the end of that game, but it just too little, too late. They, the Diamondbacks had 15 hits on Thursday night, and after that, it was uh, not much, much more from them. Friday night, they did put up a fight as well in another crazy game that went back and forth and is so stereotypical and you know the the status quo for the Philadelphia Phillies in the 2021 uh, baseball season. I believe they hit, yeah, Christian Walker hits a two, I rest right, two run homer, uh, blown save for Ian Kennedy, I believe it was the 26th blown save of the season for the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen. And then the 10th, Marte hits a two run homer with the guy, I believe that's on second. So the Diamondbacks go up two, and then we come back and hit a two run homer, and then they play another inning where Gene Segura is able to fight that ball off the right field, and get the Phillies a win. Another ugly, ugly baseball game. This is an ugly baseball team. The Diamondbacks lose 7 nothing on Saturday, which is the best game the Phillies have played all uh, you know, all series. Gibson with a great pitching performance. The Phillies got runs from uh, home runs from Segura, Herrera. Uh, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Herrera had a great day. Yeah, two for four, you know. If you can get performance, D.D. Gregorius had three hits. When is the next time you're going to see that in the same day? I mean, this guy is hitting what for the season? He's hitting 221 on the season, and actually that's not that bad compared to where he was at earlier in the season, which was low, low, low around 209, 207, like chilling almost around the, uh, the, the 100 section, if you catch my drift. So you need more from guys like him. You're seeing a little bit more Galvis out there. Galvis playing the night as the Phils uh, are in Washington. It got off to a good start. They're up 3-0 currently as this podcast is being recorded. So kudos to them. They also get the Phillies get the game done on uh, Sunday afternoon. Ranger Suarez with another fucking elite. All right, and that's I try not to curse. You know, it went three minutes in, but it was a fucking elite performance from Ranger Suarez. He... Uh, out pitches a Madison Bumgarner who did not pitch well whatsoever with five earned runs. And the Phils, again, got some hits when they needed them. I got to sneeze again. Mute the old mic <clears throat> while I do that, sorry. And uh, and then I just inhale right in the mic. I, I apologize. But, again, the Phils get it done against the Diamondbacks. Three-game win streak. Like I said, up three nothing right now against the Nationals. I might, you know, check Twitter to see what I think if they wind up blowing this fucking game or uh, piss me off. The uh, they got Zach Wheeler on the mound, so it, we're set up for as best case scenario as we possibly can when it comes to the Phillies this season. If we get some more runs, we'll, we'll lock this thing up. Be four in a row, and the Phils are 
somewhat lurking around in the wild card and in their division. Um, they obviously have dug themselves the hole that they had dug themselves out of to begin with. If that makes any sense, I mean they were they were in they were in trouble for a long time for a long stretch of this summer. Obviously, that eight game win streak dug them back out of it with the help of poor Mets play, injuries for the Braves. You you guys all know the deal. We've 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 all been living this, and then they proceed to put themselves back in the hole by losing to teams that they have no business losing to. Hence the Diamondbacks, and you know not not. I won't include the Rays in that, but they should have at least put up a fight against the Rays. If you go back here on their on their little losing streak, they you know barely put up a fight against the Reds. Uh, you know the Dodgers wasn't that bad, but I mean they ran up against some good teams. They wilted against the good teams. They lost to the bad teams, and now it seems that they're finally starting to you know dig themselves back or try to climb themselves back into this race as they're back on the stretch of some bad teams here with the Nationals. Uh, Marlins, they will see the Brewers soon, which is not a bad team. The Rockies, which is a similar-esque team. Cubs, who are not a good team. Mets, who are not a good team. Orioles, who are not a good team. Pirates, who are not a good team. And then you get the Braves, who you need to beat anyway. So, And that's not till the very end of the season. So there's no reason, like we've always said from the whole time, that we can't go on a run. You look at the Braves, the Braves are... Uh, the Braves are 70 and 59. They are how many games up? Four and a half. Uh, you know, as we speak right here at seven o'clock on a Monday Monday evening, and tonight is going good so far. I mean, it's very early on, but the Reds are down, and the Braves are playing the Dodgers later, which is about as good as it can get for us. The, Do- the Dodgers are a fucking powerhouse, and they're still somehow not leading their division because they are in the 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 division of goats. The Gabe Kapler division, the the powerhouse of baseball wisdom that is Gabe Kapler. They continue to fucking chug along with an 84 and 46 record, which crazy. They're very well in shape to win 100 games. Uh, and, you know, you can have you, all you morons out there can have an argument over whether Girardi or we should have kept Kapler. Everyone was too hard on Kapler. Just go ahead, have at it. Won't do us no good anymore anyway. So we are in the situation that we are in because we have put ourselves in this situation. And not only with managerial decisions and front office decisions, but it's also with the guys who have been out there who we've paid a lot of money who have not performed. And they still have an opportunity, like I always say, to make it right and go out there and perform. And, you know, three out of four is not bad for the Diamondbacks, but they have to keep it going. They have to hope that these these teams that they're up against continue to lose and continue to run up against good talent and just we got to get lucky. We need to get lucky. That's that's we needed to get lucky before, and we we kind of we kind of did, and then and then we we let it go. We let it slip through our fingers. I think it really killed us losing that, those three games of the Diamondbacks, and if we wind up coming short, that is what will kill us. I'm sure there will be way more that you can point to, but in, in in the sense of games that you could have won and could have had in order to catch these teams, it's going to be that Diamondback series. But like I said, there's nothing you can do. You can't go back. The Reds, if we want to do a little schedule hunt and then look forward, they have the Cardinals currently, who are of a 66 and 63 team. They are right around the Phillies, and that's a kind of a, you know. Philly, they're tied with the Phillies in record. They're three and a half back of those Reds, so it's not exactly helping us. But we both would be catching, you know. So it's well, we want to catch the Reds. Then we'll worry about catching the Cardinals if you know, you know, if you catch my drift. Ha ha ha! But got you got the Padres ahead of you. Who, if we want to take a look at their schedule in the next couple weeks, which I love doing to just project a little bit. They got the Diamondbacks tonight. Not good. But maybe they'll maybe they'll pull us and lose. Then they have the Astros, which is great for us. And then the Angels for a couple games. Not could be worse. And then the Dodgers. And then the Giants. So obviously the Padres being out west are subjected to a way more difficult schedule than everyone else in this race. We look at the Braves now, which also is not a feat that cannot be obtained. 
four games is not that much. Four and a half games, uh, if it's yeah, it's four and a half games, and with that that hammer series at the end, if you can keep it close, you obviously don't want to put yourself in a situation where you have to sweep them or something along those lines. But you got to do what you got to do. We we're in the dog days now. Dodgers, as I said, Rockies, Nationals, Marlins, Rockies, Giants at the end, Diamondbacks, Padres, Phillies, Mets. It's not that it's not that hard, I should say, or shouldn't say whatnot, but they kind of went through a little bit of a difficult stretch here with, you know, games against the Yankees and the Giants who they were able to win a series against against the Giants. Not good for us, so we just got to keep winning games. We got to we got to take care of what we can what we can control and that's continue to win because we haven't done a lot of that in the last week week or so week two weeks I should say before this uh, we ran into the worst team in baseball so we got to continue it against the you know other bad teams of baseball and maybe when I we talk on Friday or maybe when I talk to you in a week or so <clears throat> we'll be in better shape we'll be back to that we'll be the fightings video will be thrown out on Twitter every five seconds and we can get back to that red October feeling again where we're down. You're down there at the ballpark. You're down there at Xfinity, and you can feel the energy, and it feels, it feels real. It feels legit again. Not to say, you know, I'm not. I haven't given up hope, but they, 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 they pulled the fire extinguisher and they dumped a fucking huge bucket of water on the, the momentum and the heat that the the Phillies. The Phillies were starting to rub the sticks together, and the smoke was starting to come. We were about to start getting cooking with a little bit of a run here, and it quickly was doused out. I hope we can continue to make that run. You say after tonight you'd be down three and a half and three in each. I call that pretty good. I call that one series away from being being in there. And we're right there. And I'm begging for you, Phils. Please give me something. Give me something to be excited about this October. Because I'm not feeling too good about the Eagles and... It's a long regular season for both those hockey and baseball or basketball teams. My apologies. So give me something to be excited about. Speaking of those Eagles, let's go. Let's go talk about some Eagles. Not not a ton of not a ton of action in the preseason Philadelphia Eagles department, but I did want to talk about how the preseason has absolutely been brutal for the Eagles not just in wins losses or anything like that just the fact that we have not been able to see our guys out there for any meaningful period of time and I'm not here really to uh, say whether that's a good or bad idea that's up to the coaches and there's you know perks and uh, downfalls to both playing these guys and not playing these guys and I could tell you right now you obviously know them uh, playing them is the perk of that would be to get them more acclimated to playing football and get them more up to game speed get them ready for the season so that that rust and that learning of this new offense and the timing is right and whatnot and the downfall of it would be to you know have a jk dobbin situation happen where you lose a meaningful piece of your team before the season even starts You've now lost a key cog to your team in a game that doesn't mean anything and doesn't help you to attain your ultimate goal, which is the Super Bowl, make the playoffs, whatever your goal is. So I understand from both sides, uh, there's, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, but am I angry? Am I upset about it? No, but I will not be shocked or confused or, you know, whatnot. When they don't look good, and when it first ha- when it first starts, they could they could come out and light the world on fire and confuse the teams and just be ready to go. They've obviously felt like these joint practices have been just as meaningful to their team success as you know playing these guys in actual games in the preseason. So and they're 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 there, okay? They're they're the coaches. They're they're seeing this sh- this shit every day. So I'm not gonna tell you that. I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong. I'm not going to tell you you should play them. You know, it's total. That's totally your call. But I, you, but like I just said, you can't be shocked if these guys don't look uh, sharp. Is the probably the 
correct best way you could say it on on that Sunday the twelfth against the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't expect these guys to necessarily hit the ground running. But it's almost go time. And we've maybe seen these guys take eight, nine snaps. I don't know what the numbers are, but they it's not a lot. And it's not enough to really get a grasp of what's going on. Maybe that's the point. Maybe we want to come in a little, little bit of secrecy and disguise. They even talked about how that's one of the weapons they can use, that they've never seen this coaching staff actually out there coaching, making on-the-fly decisions and what their game plans are going to be like, what are they going to focus on, things of that nature. I'm all fascinated about it. I'm very excited to see what they look like. Uh, we can go position through position, and I can tell you what I think, what you know, what, what I'm excited about. Uh, I Obviously... Jalen Hurts is the number one topic and number one focus of my attention and number one, like I said, topic of any conversation beginning with the Eagles. Is he your franchise quarterback? Are you going to build around him and start to just believe and act as though that man is the quarterback of your team and you actually believe in him? They just traded for a insurance policy in Gardner Minshew from Jacksonville because he's obviously has no chance of starting there anymore. That's That situation is all Trevor Lawrence, and it will be Trevor Lawrence until Trevor Lawrence decides he doesn't want to be there or play football anymore because that guy is about as good of a prospect that has come out of college since probably Andy Luck, and he might even be, you know, I don't want to say he's better than him, but the, the resume and just, he just looks incredible. It's, it's, it's tough to put in the words, honestly. I, I'm a Notre Dame fan, I, like you all know. Anyone listen to this, and if you don't know, now you know I'm a Notre Dame fan. You can hate me if you want, but it hasn't been pleasant, so it's a very difficult thing to be a Notre Dame fan. But the team played Clemson on three separate occasions, two times. Trevor Lawrence was there. We lost both those games, and he absolutely cooked us. In this last game, uh, he cooked this in the first game, but he was a he was a wee lad, young lad. He he on the ground killed us in this in this game because we were I guess trying to hem in and keep Etn inside like we did last time. The Etn still went off, but we kind of just, or not not really. He actually didn't go off. We we shut him down. Uh, DJ, uh, who I'm not even going to attempt to say that guy's name. He went off. He scored. He had like 400 yards, a couple touchdowns. He was running as well, but Lawrence killed us on the options in that ACC championship. We never had a chance, and a big reason for that is just the decision-making of Trevor Lawrence and his accuracy throwing the ball, his the strength, the, his, just everything about him. He's tall. He can move. He's ac- Like I say, he's accurate with the football. He's very strong with the football. I think he only fumbled like once or twice in the couple times I've seen him play in no specific games because obviously I was hyper-focused on just those games. He's incredible, man. I don't know why I just went off on it. Oh, because of Gardner Minshew. And Gardner Minshew is nothing more than a, uh, a extreme insurance policy. I, I, I don't I, – I get it. It's – it's uh, it doesn't cost much. I think I believe it's a sixth round pick, but I, I I really hope that you're not seeing this guy on the field at any point. If Jalen Hurts isn't playing, and you you have Joe Flacco in there for some reason, then you just signed him to be your backup. But I guess Gardner is a little his skill set more more similarly mimics a. Jalen Hurts, and maybe you're trying to bridge the gap there somehow. But I don't know. I guess it doesn't hurt to always have quarterbacks. Howie always looking for options and what's available and what the price is. And he obviously saw something he liked in Gardner Minshew, went out and got him. So they have three quarterbacks, four quarterbacks with Nick Mullins, who's probably going to get cut now. He was probably going to get cut anyway. I don't I don't really follow the cut game and the... the the watching of the training camp and the, the LA Shore parks of the world tweeting out picks and this is who's on my roster and this is who's not. I, like I said, I kind of like to leave. Uh, I'll tell you, obviously, I obviously I get why they do it and it's fun and they're telling you what they think and they're they're there every day, so you, you should trust what they're saying. But I'm just saying I don't really get too into or fall in love with any guys that are in training camp because you don't 
you don't know how good they are. They're just practicing, and you don't. I'm not going to get excited or get it all wrapped up emotionally around some guys that's not even that good, or he's not even going to make the team. I remember back in the day, I loved Danny Amendola, the small little white guy catching balls balls for the Eagles in training camp, and then he goes on to you know be be catching balls from Brady in the Super Bowl and and things of that nature. So. Obviously, it didn't work here, and uh, you could probably find thousands of examples for that. I'm just saying. I just I want to see who the who the 53 is that they start the season with. I mean, today news today was they activated Lander, Landon Dickerson, Lander Dickerson. I almost just called him, which is crazy. Landon, Landon Dickerson, which whoo, I, I think I might have trouble with that one. I'm gonna have to Landon Dickerson, Landon Dickerson. Whew. Okay. Rodney McLeod also activated. Uh, one from the physically unable to perform list, the old pup list, love that one. And the non-football injury list for Dickerson. So we'll see. We obviously have a uh, – We I was going to go through the um, through the positions, and I, I've already gotten sidetracked about a million times because i got to be honest with you folks, I am excited about the Eagles season. But let's go back to positions. Talked about the quarterbacks, the running backs, I – we obviously need to see what they're going to do with Miles Sanders and the uh, not even what what I mean by that is how much they're going to play him. Are they going to finally give him the bell cow back status that people have been begging for and asking for in the past? You are they going to cut him loose, take the reins off him, and just let him run wild? I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't think it would be good for him for his longevity and his health. Not only in the season for in the career, I just think he's better in short bursts and obviously needs to be used more than he was under Doug, but I just, you know, I want, we need that guy healthy and we need him. He, he's a big playback. And I think if we're able to mix these backs in the right way, it's, we could have a deadly, deadly rushing attack and we could, we could cause some problems given the fact that we have a. Like I'm gonna talk. Well, I'll, we'll just talk about it now. We have, I think, we have a pretty good offensive line. Uh, it looks like you're gonna have Mylotta starting at left tackle. You'll have Sayumalo at left guard, Kelsey at center, Brandon Brooks at right guard, and Landon Johnson at right tackle. Given the fact that those guys stay healthy, that is a problem, man. That's a really good uh, offensive line. I mean, you have Dillard still in the mix there at left tackle, which he has obviously gotten smoked in that battle uh, from all accounts during this training camp. You still, like I said, have Dickerson in there, and I'm sure he could probably play some guard if he really needed to. You got on here, you got Jack Driscoll and Nate Herbig and the gentlemen of the past, you know, who have been hanging around here on this team for seemingly years. I think I see Matt Pryor's name on here, and also the running backs like I talked about, Sanders, are they gonna give him? Are they gonna give him the full reins? I'd love to see Boston Scott what he's able to do catching the ball. He's been able to kill it in in situations where they've needed them. We've we've he seems like he's had to have a couple of games where he's the starting running back in the past when maybe Miles wasn't able to go. I think he had a calf injury in last year, and and they really counted on him. And he came up big. I I, I recall when on the the playoff run the giant the Giants game. He was huge in that game. Uh, obviously, the spin move is all you can remember, but he, you go back and look at his stats, he killed it there. He killed it there. Kenneth Gainwell, which is a uh, draft pick they made this offseason, he, he's another guy that's in the action. And Jordan Howard. Uh, who knows if Huntley makes the team, we'll see. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not, like I said, I'm not into all the deciding who's going to make the team and who's not. Devontae Smith, Rager, Ke- Kez Watkins, Greg Ward, this the the wide receivers are obviously very thin. We're, we 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 getting excited about it, but I think that that's probably their most their position of weakness on the offensive side of the ball. Love to see what Jay, we we need big steps from Jalen Rager, and we'll just see what we get in Devontae Smith. I think we we're hoping that we have a perennial elite uh, Pro Bowl wide receiver, and we'll see. I think the only thing, honestly, which is this is. I, I've talked. I think I talked about this last week. I the only thing that can stop Devonte Smith is an injury. I think his talent and his overall just ability to play the position of wide receiver will always 
translate and he'll always be able to be successful so long as he's able to stay on the field. And that that it's better than him, us worrying if he's going to be able to actually play and be successful as a wide receiver and can he catch the ball and things like that. I don't – I. Obviously, we haven't seen him play a game, so I probably sound like an asshole, but I just don't think you're going to have to worry about a guy like him forgetting how to catch the ball and not running routes and just, you know, being a, a guy who you look at as, wow, he's such a bust. I, I just don't think, I really don't think that. I, but uh, obviously, crazier shit has happened. I, I just think they got it right here. I think we're going to, I think we're going to be very happy with what we had or what we picked so long as he stays healthy. Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, two great tight ends. Zach Ertz obviously was trying to get off this team. A little bit of a money situation, but Howie was not giving him up for nothing, and nobody came and obviously paid the price for him. So Zach Ertz remains on this team. They're not cutting him for nothing either, which I, I really like. And it seems like he's embraced what's going on here. He is at least here for this year, and he will has not at least caused problems in the public or in the media so so far here. And we're about to be in September, which is crazy enough. Summer is almost over. I'm very excited. Uh, not not for summer to be over, but the, only, the good thing about summer being over is that it is now football season. It's fantasy football season. It's Eagle season, and uh, we can start looking forward and getting real, getting real amped for Sundays. And there's always going to be fo- football. Uh, should my mic cut out there? There's always going to be football um, on Sundays now, uh, and, and in the next few Sundays, you know, I mean, we got an extra, we got an extra week of football season this year, so no complaints from your boy right here, the hot take hot box. So let's look at the defense. I just called myself the hot take hot box. That's nuts. Uh, but call me it. That's what I am, dude. Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox. Ryan Kerrigan, Josh Sweat, Hassan Ridgeway. I mean, they got they got a lot, a lot of depth right there on that defensive line. I think that's going to be the key to this team, and it was the key to them how they won the Super Bowl. Not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but if this team wants to have success, they have to be dominant on the defensive and offensive lines. And looking at them on paper before the season starts, they look like they could have a. They have the potential. To be very solid on both sides. That's a very deep defensive line. That's a defensive line that has had a lot of money put into it. Trying to slot Ryan Kerrigan into that Chris Long sort of-ish role. I mean, this is a completely different defense now, though. So who knows if they're going to... They'll be having guys standing up rushing. Hands on the ground rushing. Uh, They'll be running 3-4, which I heard Fletcher Cox is not happy about. They'll be running all sorts of stuff. Linebackers, they have Jannard Avery, which they say the scheme, their different schemes are going to really help him and help uh, show his game. Uh, there's a, like all these injury notices next to these guys, so we're not going to know who is healthy. He says dealing with a groin injury so far as August 23rd. So obviously something to keep uh, keep an eye on. All these guys have yeah limited participant by groin injury. That's another one that Fletcher Cox has has been slowed by the injury, given that he didn't participate in Thursday's preseason game against the It's unclear how he picked up the issue. Even so, given that Cox was still a limited participant, it doesn't appear that he will be hampered long. Yeah, I guess this is kind of just they had to put some injury designations on some guys to maybe not get them to play in this uh, – not get them to play in these games. Uh, Kerrigan has a thumb issue. And there's just all sorts of stuff going on. So we'll see who's able to actually make it out there on the field. Fuck. I mean, there's so many medical crosses on these guys. Uh, but we're looking for big... I mean, Eric Wilson and Alex Singleton. Dave, I hope we get something from Davion Taylor this season, who was a third-round pick in last year's draft. Uh, I, the linebackers, a situation they continued to neglect... And it re- really, I don't like that because I, I, I believe that's that's some of the reason why they really just count that defensive line to stop the run. And if they're not able to, then these guys just start running wild. And I think it would help if we had, a, a, like, a I don't know, a linebacker that could maybe, 
I, I don't know. Do more. I just feel like our linebackers are so weak. I, I, I feel out of place talking about the different schemes and different stuff because there's obviously people that know so much more than maybe I or some of you that are listening. Maybe maybe Dick Vermeil's listening and he's getting fucking angry. I, I'm sorry, okay? I'm doing my best here, but... I, I just feel like we we get our we get the ball ran down our fucking throat sometimes because we we were out there with Nate Gary trying to play middle linebacker and guys who have no business making tackles and the Casey Matthews of the world that's just the first name that always pops in my brain because he was such a disappointment for the Eagles I you know nothing no, I, 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 when you look at his brother Clay Matthews who's setting the sack right you know this this winning the sack title and going nuts for the for the Packers, making plays all over the field. We get Casey Matthews, and this guy can't make a tackle. He's getting run over. His hands don't work. It just doesn't make any sense. Rodney McLeod back. Darius Slay, Steven Nelson, Anthony Harris, uh, Avante Maddox and Zach McPherson. I mean, you know, like, it all looks good now. It all looks good now. I, I I love the secondary. I don't love the linebackers. I love the the defensive line. I love the offensive line. I'm not in love with the receivers. Great tight ends, good running backs, and a big question mark there, quarterback, so we will see. But I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to the season, and uh, we'll have – this is not the only time we're going to be talking about this. Me and a guest of – my choosing and your choosing, folks. Vote now for the the guest on Friday. Uh, we'll talk about this, and I'll continue to talk about it every week on this podcast, so long as I continue to draw breath on this earth. Also saw today, I believe this is a Charles Robinson report, that Deshaun Watson doesn't want to come here, or he is not going to waive his no-trade clause to about four of those different teams that were in pursuit of him. One of them being us. Uh, I believe he's trying to force his way to Miami. Just completely fuck over to and go to Miami and take over a pretty good situation. Uh, And you get to live in Miami, which is not that bad. He apparently will not waive his no trade clause to this is a exact tweet from Charles Robinson. Sources said the Panthers, Broncos, and Eagles were in some. Oh, I got a little blurry here. I got to zoom in. There you go. Broncos and Eagles were in some element of trade consideration, but Watson's contractual right to approve the trade destination, which was signed off on by Houston ownership in his last extension, has weighed heavily in trade opportunities. So, he's going to dictate where he wants to go. He he has the contractual right to do so, and obviously he does not want to come here. So, I think that's pretty much the end of that conversation. And if you don't want to come here, I don't want you. Let's make that very clear. That's pretty, It's pretty simple for me. It should be a pretty simple thing. And we, I don't even want I, – I, I'm not sure. Tra- like I told you guys on this podcast before, I don't want that guy if he has 22 – uh, sexual assault cases or sexual uh, misconduct or whatever whatever it is that is being called. He's being accused of sexual misconduct from 20 different masseuses and all in like a, like a sick fucking sort of like Jeffrey Epstein way. You know, if you guys ever watched that documentary, this guy had some sick, that guy was a sick fuck. And this Deshaun Watson has some sick fuck tendencies as well from all the alleged stories. If those stories are allegedly true. And like I said, there's that's an awful lot of them. So, and he maintains his innocence and whatnot. So, whatever, whatever. Okay, want to talk football and him trading, getting traded to Miami? That's by all means, go ahead. And you know, if that's what you want to do, go ahead, force your way to Miami. It's obviously just shows that that guy doesn't want to put his hard hat on, grab his lunch pail, and head down to the fucking construction site and bang out some fucking foundation. Okay, that's all that shows me. He's not ready to work. He don't want to get after it. He wants to go into some ready-made place in the one of the uh, tropical, basically paradise, on the coast of Florida, sitting there drinking his his fancy drinks with umbrellas in them, with his feet up, and, and uh, you know, r- running from the law, 
or I'm sure getting himself into other situations uh, off the field. Because he, he obviously before this, though, he has maintained a very good public persona and he's donated a lot of money. He's very charitable and has helped a lot of people. But this coming out about him, no one will ever forget about it. No matter how true or untrue it may be, it'll always be a thing that you think about when you think of Deshaun Watson. And I look forward to them uh, clearing this all up and us getting a solid answer on what actually happened with all of this. And just getting a resolution. And I hope everyone gets the justice that is right. And that's all I basically have to say about that. It's it's unfortunate that he doesn't want to come here for his football talents. Um, not nothing to do, obviously, with his with his person. I, I could care less what kind of person he is. It's very important if you're going to be the football of our uh, if you're the coach or the quarterback of our football team, what kind of guy you are. But I'm just talking about right now. You know, if we if we were ever going to get him, then I I assumed that everything was at least cleared up or resolved in some shape or form. I'm not trading for a guy who has that sort of thing hanging over him. I don't care what kind of discount or what's going on here. If you still want three first-round picks right now, it's not happening. It's not worth it for me. I'll wait for another opportunity or situation to arise where I can go get a guy. I I like waiting and sitting here for Jalen Hurts and seeing what kind of a quarterback he could be as opposed to taking a risk like that and getting a guy who, you know, you don't you don't know if he's going to be able to play or what what he's going to turn into, uh, what whatever. But I've obviously spent enough time on the birds and on a, a, a Deshaun Watson situation that apparently is not even close to being resolved. I I was listening to a little bit of Charles Robinson today, and he was talking about how there's there's a deposition for the first civil case. It's not even for until February. Uh, I have a tough time believing that Wa- Miami is going to trade for him right now while they've been preparing Tua this whole time. But if you're trying to win, and you're trying to win now, I believe Deshaun Watson is probably the better option. I mean, he's one of the... He, he's in that conversation for being a top... He's probably a top 10 quarterback. If not, he's right on the cusp. That just goes to show you how many great quarterbacks there are in this league. And uh, I'm actually glad that the Eagles are not going to have anything really to do with this. But unfortunately, something tells me that we are not done. This is not the last we're going to hear about it. And I'll be somehow talking about Deshaun Watson on this podcast again. Hopefully it's when he's traded to another team, like the Miami Dolphins or something. Interesting that the Panthers still want him after they even traded for Sam Darnold. I guess maybe these are all just conversations that are being had. Those are all teams that have questionable quarterback situations, including us, so... No surprise there. While I record this, I believe Sidney Jones has just been traded to the Seattle Seahawks. The illustrious Sidney Jones, who was a second-round pick for Howie Roseman in the Philadelphia Eagles, is now going to help be part of the rebirth of the Legion of Boom, baby. Woo! I'm, uh, I'm just kidding. I guess we should talk a little bit about some Sixers while we're here. There's not much going on in the uh, world of Sixers, but I did want to just close up. There's nothing basically going on. Well, actually, in the world of uh, hockey and for the Flyers, I do want to send my condolences to Jimmy Hayes, whose funeral was today. Kevin Hayes is on the Flyers, so our our thoughts and prayers are with him. I could not imagine, man. I really cannot imagine. I never want to. Uh, But that's just horrible, man. We're just, you know, everyone out there is just thinking and can empathize with what their family is going through. Um, Sixers, though, uh, just hard to hard to hard to just quickly segue from that. But I just I did want to mention that it's just I was watching everything today and just just thinking about you know I have a brother myself, so it's just um, horrible to think about and horrible to try and put yourself in your sh- in, that, in those shoes and imagine what that what that could be like for him i saw him today giving a eulogy which you know it's unbelievable but uh, uh, like i said our thoughts and prayers um sixers uh like i said there has not been much action or news the only thing we could be waiting on is a ben simmons situation uh, i saw an article today come out that other teams believe sixers will trade ben simmons 
Um, many expect Philadelphia to keep him into training camp, but no mistakes. Nobody thinks Simmons is a sixer for long. Obviously, everyone. I mean, that's that's not really. Um, Sham says, while the 76ers have told teams they are comfortable bringing Simmons back for the 2021-2022 season, rival executives believe it's not only a matter of when, not if. It's only a matter of when, not if. The defensive, the all-defensive team stalwart is moved. I mean, that, those guys are too good with the words, the stalwart and things, and the way they frame it. I'm just a, I'm just a dummy. You, you, you're, let's let's speak like humans here, okay? Maybe make it easier for me, Shams. Uh, the when matters too. Simmons wants to be traded. Uh, Joel throw him under the bus. Yeah, the more national media just trying to. Yeah, I mean, he did. MB did throw him under the bus. To be fair, but. It does not have to be one of the first things you mention in the article after you spit out some bullshit. Obviously, the Lillard situation is not going to be rectified anytime soon. I just think those guys being like Bradley Beal and whatnot. And used to be, I used to include Zach Levine in that conversation, but I don't think he's going anywhere in the near foreseeable future. Uh, I think they're going to be traded more in the middle of the season and towards the all-star break when there's going to have to be a decision made. And maybe Damian Lillard gives it a chance there in Portland, but I think he sees the writing on the wall, and he knows whether he does it now or he does it later. He's going to have to do it soon. He's going to have to do it before while he can still play and go make a move to another franchise, another city, another team, and go try and chase that championship because he tried. He, he, he did not run from the grind but at a certain point, you got to look out for yourself when your organization is signing Norman Powell and Tony Snell and telling you that this is going to be the team. And we, the the GM and whatnot is saying that the, these guys out there, you know, they're a coach, a change, change of coach away, basically bring back the same squad and they're ready to go. I, I you know, I, I if I were Damian Lillard, I'd have a tough time buying that. We need big sweeping changes if we plan on competing with these teams and especially he's not going to compete out there in the west with those the the lakers and the clippers and even the warriors are going to come back this season and how do they expect to do anything different than what they did last year that squad is always going to come up short probably the same way we're always going to come up short the way we're constructed so why don't we trade some parts back and forth and let's see if we each of us can go farther or try to give this a different look. As I think that's honestly what both organizations need. Just a different look. And trading Damian Lillard is, you know, it's more than a different look. That's probably putting you out of the playoffs and whatnot. But maybe if you get a Ben Simmons and you set those set that team up with shooters and you can do the ultimate Ben, that all these Ben Simmons purists are probably standing up at, next to their you know next to their whatever their device that they're listening to this on and they're saying yes please preach preach because ben simmons has always he could always have if he could just get a team that could have shooters around him and he could play be big and be also the point guard and just run the fast break and just distribute and he doesn't have to score and whatever okay you guys can all do that in portland have your fairy tale fantasy out in Portland. Do it anywhere else but Philadelphia. That is fine by me. I am hoping that we can get a resolution to this in the near future, but unfortunately that that this is a situation I don't think will be resolved in the next five, six, seven, eight, as however many podcasts you want to bang out a week. I just think we're going to be sitting here for a while. I do think Simmons will play for this team this year, and I do think it will be very difficult to watch them and get animated and get excited. And it's going to, your most excitement you're going to have this regular season is going to be on Twitter and your shams and your woge alerts waiting for something to possibly happen while you're asleep that Ben Simmons and three first-round picks have been traded to the Portland Trailblazers for Damian Lillard or however whatever the package is going to be because we have not heard any movement or anything in, in in weeks and all we're hearing is the threats of we're not coming to training camp and we're not doing this we're not doing that and i'm not buying it 
So this week, this week is fantasy, or I'm sorry, not fantasy football. Fantasy football, I'm sure some of you are out there drafting this week, so good luck to everyone out there. Um, if you are drafting, make sure you pick the right guys. Don't pick guys who are going to get hurt or guys who are going to be in running back committees or things like that. My friends who are listening to this are probably going, you're going to pick Nick Chubb, you fucking moron. Yeah, I probably am. I probably am. But guess what? That's not a committee. That's just two good running backs that get money and points. And by money, I mean dollar bills. And by points, I mean 25.9 points in fantasy fucking football, baby. I'm just kidding, but good luck to everyone out there in fantasy. And also, college football is starting this week. Uh, I do. Uh, there is a man that I trust. His man, this man is Nick Egan. He goes by King Chaz here on his college football preview. He's got some picks here. I will probably be putting this on my Twitter for anyone, or if you want it, I'll send it to you. If you listen to this, okay. And his man, it's on his Twitter. You can go find him. And if you know him, you know him. If you don't, you don't. You're not blessed enough for these picks. But he blessed me enough. And he gave me the the carte blanche to come on here on this podcast and give you these picks, okay? This man is a trusted man, okay? And I want to let you know. This is this is why this starts off for King Chaz. Okay, welcome. If you are reading this first off, congratulations. You have been blessed with one of the most accurate college football previews that you can find on the market. In this newsletter... You will find my season-long win total bets, as well as some conference futures and national champion pick. And as always, best of luck to all who tail or fade. Good luck fading these things, though. All right, my man loves the Utes. Utes over 8.5. Okay, he names Charlie Brewer being the quarterback now and 19 returning starters as the reason. The return of fans in a newly expanded stadium will be a big boost for this program in 2021. I expect big things from Utah and have this as one of my highest rated futures going into the season. Huge. 19 returning stars. I always love to hear a number like that. Iowa State has a a similar situation and that being them returning a lot of starters. uh, I believe all of their starters on both sides of the ball, if I'm not mistaken. I believe I heard that in one of those college previews on ESPN, but I don't listen to them. I'm here to listen to King Jazz's college preview, and he says over 11 wins for the Oklahoma Sooners is the pick. Uh, he says you may see 11 wins, and you think this is awfully high number to go over on. However, one of the main reasons I like this bet is that at worst you can see this one pushing. If you take a look at the schedule, Oklahoma gets its hardest competition in Big 12, Iowa State at home. In reality, this should be their only challenge on the schedule. And to get it at home is a major plus. He named Spencer Rattler, okay, who's a Heisman hopeful and a Heisman betting favorite. You know, Being at the helm of his second season, a perfect season, is definitely not out of the realm of possibility. What I like most about this team is the defense is shaping up to be one of the top 10 defenses in the country. Combine this with a projected top five offense in the country, and you are looking at a buzzsaw looking to make a statement before joining the SEC. Which, folks, these guys, this guy's giving you heaters, man. I mean, you, you guys should be blessed that I'm even coming to you and reading this to you. Buffalo, uh, Buffalo under on seven and a half wins. He names the COVID season where they went six and one. They went through a lot of changes as they lost their head coach who built a perennial Mac contender to Kansas. It went from bad to worse after coach Lance Lepoy left as none of the remaining coaching staff were retained. This year, they bring in a first-year head coach and return only 10 starters. So I can easily see some growing pains here, okay? That's a great pick again, man. He gives you reasons for his picks. It's not just some asshole telling you what he thinks. You know, like the hot take hotbox. I'm just kidding. I always give you reasons for what I'm thinking, okay? We've we've been here for 48 minutes. All I've been doing you is giving you fucking reasons. A mediocre 2020 season, okay? This is Auburn under 7.5 wins. A mediocre 2020 season for Auburn led, finally led to the buyout of Gus Malzahn, Coach Gus, and the hiring of former Boise State head coach Brian Harrison. Not very good with names for its 2021 campaign. I am not totally sold on Bo Nix at quarterback. Neither am I. Um, He's always disappointed, man. He, He just 
Every year, it's you're waiting for him to take that next step, and he never does. I remember betting him when he was a freshman. He won that game against, I believe, Justin Herbert. He cashed me out, but ever since then, he has been a disappointment every time I've tried to put some money on the man. But now he is under playing under his third offensive coordinator in three years. Things could get even more shaky for him this season. The 2021 schedule is a bit brutal with the Tigers have to travel to Penn State in Week 3. Drew Georgia from the SEC East on top of an already tough SEC West slate and what seems like a transition year. Yeah, he could see the team. I could easily see this being a 6-6, six 7-5 and 7-5 and at best for the Tigers, man. <sighs> These are some picks, dude. And disclaimer, names listed below are strictly high upside plays. Yep, love me some high upside plays for for some, some hardcore Heisman picks here. We got Desmond Ritter. Plus 5,000, I've heard his name sometimes. Emory Jones, Sam Howell, CJ Stroud, Matt Corral. Who is the Ole Miss quarterback? Plus 3,500. That's the one I personally might play with some Matt Bucks, some hot take Bucks. He likes Utah as the Pac-12 South winner, plus 250, and the Pac-12 winner at plus 600. He's all in on that. You can... Read that. That This is a larger paragraph. He gives you the breakdown. And the Georgia Bulldogs to win the national championship at plus 650. These are great numbers you can get these at. Get them before the season starts. Get them before these guys start making a name for themselves. And these numbers start going down and you start losing value on this. There are some other picks here from some guest picks. We got a Cincinnati over 10 wins. And a cosign of the Utah picks, which everyone's all in on Utah, it seems, on, on, on this newsletter. We got Stanford under four wins, which is crazy that that's, a, that's even a number. These guys used to be a powerhouse. Wisconsin, the Big Ten West Division winner at minus 115. So that that's a, a low number that you're you're getting, you know, or like a close to, close to even number for a division winner. So that's obviously somebody that he truly believes in. And Oklahoma National Championship at plus 820. So a lot of a lot of common themes here. We like Utah. We like Oklahoma. We don't like Buffalo. And we don't like Auburn. And we like Georgia to win the National Championship. And we like Oklahoma to possibly win the National Championship. So if you want to go and dabble some money, folks, be my guest. That, those, those picks were courtesy of King Jazz. I trust him with everything. Nick Egan, I thank you for sending me these. And... Uh, you guys should thank him and thank me as well. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, this has been the Hot Take Hot Box. I'm going to sign off on that note. Uh, we will have a MMA slash boxing, you know, slash our combat sports show, the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast, will come out either tomorrow or Wednesday. Barring scheduling situation, we mean this man got to get on the phone together and we got to bang this out. We'll talk about the UFC from this weekend, Giga Chikatse. We were wrong about on the on the picks. Got everything else right but that. And then Jake Paul gets it done in a split decision against Tyron Woodley. And, and of course, the FanDuel um, boost was G- Jake Paul TKO. That didn't happen because, of course, FanDuel has to curse everything. And then Friday, obviously, I'm going to have a guest on here. and We will talk some Philly sports. I'm sure we'll talk college football. We'll talk a lot about what we did today. But we will have more to talk about, and we will hear some other opinions other than just me blabbering in your ear. This has been a pretty long one, but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. This has been the Hot Take Hotbox. Thank you very much.